G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, g'day, g'day. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor coming to you out of a wet, soggy Tuesday afternoon here in Sydney. It's raining. It's raining everywhere, Hunty. Welcome to the program. G'day, mate. It's good to be here. Good to see some of our listeners this afternoon because we're on Faith FM and also... Uh, well, Facebook. Yes, we are on Faith FM. <laughs> We're a Faith FM all around Australia. <laughs> Where yeah. would you go on Facebook to see us, mate? Okay. Well, look, if you'd really like to see us, you can go to the Aussie Pastor Facebook page. But it's probably not a good thing. Why don't you just listen to us on Faith FM? <laughs> ah, it's a good thing to go to the Aussie Pastor Facebook page and watch. Not that there's a whole lot going on in this studio, to be honest, <laughs> but it's not a bad thing. I like it. So so what you've been able to do over the last week or two is set this studio up and configure it in such a way that as we're doing our live radio program, which we are doing right now, we are live. I mean, if you walk outside, it's Tuesday afternoon, 3.34 p.m., and it is raining cats and dogs. Correct. But if you want to watch us on Facebook, you can watch us on Facebook, and we'd love to see you there. Otherwise... Listen to us on the radio. That's it. Ah, we've got a, a big day today, Hunty. Yeah, we do. We've got a couple of special guests. We've got uh, a regular, Harold Harker, and a very special guest all the way from the US, Dr. Eddie Ramirez. Now, Harold Harker is going to talk about a Pope that made history. His story is quite incredible, and what happened to this Pope had never happened before, and it's never happened since. So it's an amazing story. And Eddie Ramirez, well, we've got a program right now. In fact, we're shooting the second one tomorrow night on our Facebook YouTube Aussie Pastor page called Fat to Fit. What's that? All pro- <laughs> no, let me say it again. Project 60. I like that better. Fat to Fit. What's that about, Hunty? Okay, Project 60, Fat to Fit, is... Uh, the journey that Lloyd will take this year. Just Lloyd? Well, I want it too. It's diet and exercise, and we're serious. We are. We're going to go from. I'm going from 137 Ks down to 80. Do you have a aim? Are you prepared to go on radio and tell us what you weigh, Hunty? Yes, I am. Yes? <laughs> okay, let me ask that in a, another way There was a deathly silence there He said he was, but his brain is going No, 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 I'm not Okay, can you tell us what you're going to go to? Um, I'm going to try and fit into some normal size clothes And try and get healthy So there's no target weight? No, there's no, there's no start weight and there's no target weight But oh, no. I did do nearly 200 laps in the pool this morning Do you know how much you weigh? Uh, I have no idea Do you know how much you need to weigh? Yeah, that I did look up the other day. So. Okay. You know, I know you're not going to tell us, so there's no use wasting time on no. radio with that. No, I He's a time. very private man, but I'll tell you, I'm going from 137, 138 kilo to 80. I'm down to 134 this morning, Hunty. Well done. So I'm happy to say it, and I guess I'm the guinea pig in this, but Eddie Ramirez, who I'm going to interview this afternoon, he is my nutritionist doctor specialist from the United States of America. He's a good friend of ours, Hunty. Yep. Uh, yep. He, he was in Australia, but he's on, on the road again now. I think he told me he's in 14 countries over the next couple of weeks lecturing on health. He is big time, and I just can't wait to talk to him about this journey of mine, which I think a lot of you, look, if you're obese, if you're overweight, if you're fat, look, don't be ashamed of it. That's just life in Australia. And if you're, if you're going through these things, that's okay. 
You can start like I am, and I'm going to go. I'm accountable to you, our listeners, to our viewers. I'm going to go all the way uh, back to 80 kilo, and you can join us by going to our. Now, what's the Facebook page? We have a special Facebook page. It's the Aussie Pasta Fat to Fit page. Just Google Fat to Fit Aussie Pasta and join us. Yeah, we'd love to have you uh, on board. Well, when you say Google, I don't know whether you'd Google. Well, into the search engine. Go into Facebook. In in Facebook, yeah. Yeah, go into Facebook or YouTube and look up Aussie Pasta, and you can join us. If you Googled us, would you find us on Facebook or YouTube, Hunty? I reckon if you Googled us, you'd find us on Facebook for sure. You should experiment and see while I go through this, this day in history. You want to do that, Hunty? See if you can find us if you Google us. Uh, this day in history, 1797, Nathaniel Briggs of New Hampshire received a patent for a washing machine. That man should be knighted. <laughs> I used to wash my mum when I was a kid, wash, hands, uh, wash clothes by hand. Oh, boy. That was hard work. And then she got a hand washing machine, and then she got one of those washing machines with the drum and the kind of the ringer above it. Do you know what I'm talking about, Hunty? I do. And then she finally got an automatic one, um, you girls out there and guys who do the washing of the clothes. Don't know how lucky you are. Thank you, Nathaniel Briggs, and he invented. Well, he patented the washing machine in 1797, obviously not an electrical one. In 1854, France and England declared war on Russia in the Crimean War. Yep, even back then, 170 or 80 years ago, the West was fighting with Russia and not much has changed. By the way, the British and the French won that war. In 1889, I found this really interesting. The US Supreme Court in the United States in Wong Kim Ark versus the US ruled 6-2 to two in the Supreme Court that Wong Kim Ark, who was a Chinese-born American, was American. And that only happened in 1889. Amazing, isn't it? Wow. In 1930... Byzantine, which later became Constantinople, one of the most famous cities in the world, one of the most powerful cities in the world in ancient times. This this old ancient city had a name change, and today it's known as Istanbul in Turkey. In 1969, Dwight D. Eisenhower, 34th President of the United States, one of the great generals of World War II, actually probably one of the men responsible for the defeat of the Nazis, he died. In 1979, at 4am on this day, an automatic valve mistakenly closed at Three Mile Island and there was the third worst nuclear disaster the world has ever faced. Ever heard of that one, Hunty? Yeah, Three Mile Island. Yeah, no one died. Wow. Which is a good thing. No one got... Nuclear contamination, it was a bad disaster, but they contained it pretty well. Uh, and in 1987, Maria von Trapp. You know who that is, don't you, mate? Nah, that does sound like Sound of Music. Ah, that's right. But the real girl, uh, the story Sound of Music, Roger Hammerstein, uh, she died in Morrisville, Vermont, age 82. That's the real girl the story was named after. And then birthdays, Lady Gaga, 36 years old. You know who she is, Hunty? I do. I haven't got a clue of one of her songs. Reba McIntyre, I do know her song. She's a country singer. She She's is. 67. Vince Vaughan, who's a Hollywood actor, 52. And Julia Stiles, another Hollywood actress. Haven't got a clue who she is, but she turns 41 today, so happy birthday. We're glad to have you here. Hunty, would you pray to open the program? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray especially this afternoon for all of our listeners, Lord. I pray for peace and... I pray that you'll love our listeners, Lord, and I pray that they'll be blessed from hearing the words of our guests and my mate, Lord, this afternoon as we present you to this community and to Australia, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayer in our precious name, Jesus. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM.
along with a pretty fast start there, Hunty. <laughs> we are. He's got this new software and it gives me so much time. And when that time's, the time's up, up, the time's he, up. He's, I can see him. He's well, just in the dark. Yeah. He's over the road there. Can they see you on Facebook, Hunty? Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got a light, so I'm, I'm quite well lit up. Look at your little monitor. Well, have you turned it off? No, I turned it off. It puts me off. Okay, fine. nothing worse than looking at myself. <laughs> Don't want to do that. Um, this first song is a nice song. It's the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. It's a newer song. I don't know how old it is, Hunty. I know our kids like to sing this one at church. It's what a beautiful name. It's talking about Jesus. and what a, Not just what a beautiful name Jesus has, but how beautiful he is. And if you were to let him into your heart, if you would invite him into your heart, and let him have a go in your life, what a difference he would make. It's a beautiful song, and I think you'll enjoy it. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful for the name of Jesus? I know I am. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for the cross, we wouldn't be singing his praises. And you know, there are many names out there in Hollywood, politics, all over the world, famous names. But there's no other name but the name of Jesus. This name has power, healing, redemption deliverance resurrection we don't have to live the way the rest of the world lives we can live a resurrected life because of that beautiful name so this next song that we're going to sing is entitled what a beautiful name and the choir and i we want to encourage you to sing sing with us lift your hands call upon that name because there truly is no other name
you know what? Have you got me on mute, Hunty? I don't. Am I working? You're working beautifully. Can you hear yourself? No, can't. Might have oh, to, I have to that's turn myself up. Now I can. Oh, good. That's because I turned it down. <laughs> live radio. Gotta <laughs> love live radio. La- Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> um, uh, that is a beautiful song, and I've seen the power in the name of Jesus. Um, it, you call on Jesus when you're in trouble, and he he always comes. Yep, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've been attacked by demons. I've I've been through all sorts of things in my life, and every time I call on Jesus, Hunty, he comes. And it is more than a beautiful name. It is, as the song says, it's a very very powerful name. If you're going through difficulties and you're going through challenges and they're insurmountable and the mountain is too high, too tall, and you can't get over it, I'm telling you, call on Jesus. Hey, a couple of news stories quickly today, Hunty. Yep. This one, I'm coming out of Melbourne this morning about a tenant who stopped paying for, she was a single mother, so she was struggling, obviously, and a, a good renter for six years, and then she stopped paying her rent, and that was back in July, June, July 2022, and the owner just cannot evict her, and she, apparently she just, she's, the owner's $58,000 behind in rent, and this is a disaster because a whole lot of other squatters have moved in. She has no idea what's going on inside her home, uh, the owner, because she can't get in. And it really, it's made national headlines in the national news because it's almost unimaginable that could happen in Australia in 2023. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. But the, um, the, the residents or the tenants' rights, for the most part, are protected by legislation which, on a rare case makes it near impossible for a landlord to evict a tenant. Actually, the thing that got me about that story is probably not from the landlord's perspective, believe it or not. And and I moved into a rental house a few years ago, and the same thing had happened to the landlord. The people, they just couldn't get them out, and it took them six, eight months to get them out. But the thing that kind of impacted me is that there are so many people out there now, right now, Hunty, who cannot pay rent, and yep. are ending up on the street. And it's yep. a national yep. crisis. It really is. And they say that rent's just going to keep going up, 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 up. And so I think a thought for you out there, if you're struggling to pay your rent or to pay your mortgage, you're not the only one. And it's one of those issues that I've been there before myself. I would not hesitate if I were you and I was in that situation to go to help from the Lord Jesus. Mm. And people will say, well, you're being a little bit airy-fairy there and that's not practical. There's nothing more practical you can do than to go to Jesus when you're in trouble. That's it. Um, this one here, farmers go green. I like this one. They reckon farmers, the electricity bill's gone up so much, and they've just put our electricity bill up another 30%. I think that's horrendous, Hunty. Yeah, absolutely. Is it possible for a farm to go green? Well, off-grid? Off there's a lot, lots of things farmers can do. Um, if they use... A lot of electricity to pump water and to irrigate. If they pump during the strongest sunlight hours, they can run that from solar. Same if they can get a lot of their uh, farming work done during the day. So they could probably, if they put in 20, 30, 40, 50,000 watts worth of solar, they could probably cut their energy bill from 100% down to maybe 10%. Okay. Um, Unfortunately, there's, the, the batteries are just so expensive. I was about to say yeah. that. Is there a battery that's big enough to run a farm? Uh, there, there is, but it'd be in a hundred thousand dollars. Well, if you had a big farm, tractors are more than that. And, and I'm not just saying that; they actually are. How do I know? Because I've got a little bit of a thing for tractors, Hunty. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess it depends what you want to run at night. Um, what, about, then, what if you had a wind turbine? And yes, yeah, wind turbines are great because you get energy. Do they generate? Do they generate much energy? They, they're great if, you, if you're in a windy part of Australia. How about if you were to go, I was up in the Solomon Islands in a little village there, and they had electricity that was running through water. What do they call that? Um, yeah, they had uh, hydroelectric. Hydroelectric. I think you talk about Ardoifi, eh? the island? No, no, no. no, no. It was, no, it was in, uh, right up on the northern island where Kukundu mm. is. Yeah, anywhere there's a stream or a river, if you can get 50 feet of fall, you can get good hydro. Enough to run a farm? Uh, if Don't the, it's a reasonable size. Creek, uh, creek, yes, you could. Well, the bottom line is power prices are going up so much, farmers are getting desperate. Yep. And the problem is Coles and Woolworths and the great big companies probably aren't paying the money they need to really be that profitable. Yeah, plus they're also being squeezed by uh, imported products as well. Yeah, they are. And this last news story, Marburg spreading. This is in Equatorial Guinea in Africa and not far from Tanzania. Very scary stuff. It is. This this virus, which has spread through, um, well, it's, 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 not, it's not airborne yet. It's, it's spread through fluids, you know, kissing and, and other things. Do you know what the death rate is? I don't. It's somewhere between 20 and 90% and more toward the 90%. <sighs> and it's spreading at the moment in Equatorial Guinea and just makes you wonder what's going to happen to the world the way things are and what the next pandemic will be. And I was looking at the news stories this morning because none of them really really good. Um, this 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 tenancy issue in Melbourne, where both the landlord and I guess the renter are suffering because there's no money. Yep. Um, the farmers desperate because the power prices are going up so much they they're almost not viable. Mm-hmm. And you know these awful. It's almost like week by week we're talking about these viruses that are spreading. Makes you wonder where the world's headed. I know. Look up, because soon we're going to see Jesus come. The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. You'll have, you'll have to excuse Stop. me. Stop. <laughs> 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 what happened there, old fella? Um, I don't mute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Enough, enough said. I'm sitting here in the silence, and it's like watching the 747 pilot with the plane in the nose dive. <laughs> <laughs> His hands going yes. everywhere. Yes. Yeah, oh, my bad. <laughs> I actually, we do, you do pretty good most of the time. That's the first time that's happened in quite some time, and I must say I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> our next song, um, by the Lindsays. This is a, a, another one of those wonderful, um, spiritual, religious, uh, Jesus singing groups out of the United States of America. And this is a beautiful song he has. I can't go on He 
says I can Well, I'm not the better one I've not always overcome But he has Oh, he has And he has Been the greatest friend that I've ever known And he has Paid the debt on Calvary all alone And he has Given me a melody and song Oh, he has Yes, he has think about Jesus and what he's done in my life for the last 32 or 33 years that he's been around, he does do so much. And I think about my job, my wife, my family, um, everything that's precious to me is a result of the mercy and the grace of Jesus. And he gives me hope and assurance that I have a future, even though I'm going on 60 at the end of this year. It may not, I'm the be, you know, I've lived the best part of my life already. But I have a future in Jesus, and it's an eternal one. And I'm very grateful to that for the Lord Jesus. It's one of the reasons I love him so much, because he's just so good to me. And I know you experience the same thing Amen, yes. in your own life. Um, we're going to talk to Harold Harkin now. Have we got him on board? I'm waiting for Hunty to give Hi, me. Hi oh, good. Yes, we have. We've got you there. Yes. How are you, Harold? Doing fine, Lloyd. That's good. You're still up there in Cairns? Way up in the north of Cairns, yes. Is it hot there today or a bit cooler? It's hot and humid. 
it's about 31, but the humidity's high and the sun still belts down. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got rain, rain, rain down here. Um, we're going to talk. We're going to talk a little bit further on what we talked about the other week. We're talking about a guy by the name of General Berthier. Uh, it's history who went into Rome and took the Pope prisoner. Well, we talked about Berthier, the Huguenot general, last time. I want to talk about the Pope this time, Pope Pius the Sixth. Is that right? That's correct. His name was Pope Pius the Sixth when he was uh, elected Pope. Yes. Do we know much about his youth and childhood? Well, he was born in uh, 1717 in the little town of Cessna, C-E-S-E-N-A. It's in the northern part near the Adriatic coast, yeah, the northeastern that... part of Italy. Okay, so that's uh, is that up near the Waldensi Valleys? No, Waldensi's on the west. This is on the east. But kind of up that Just way. Down from... It's north, though, of Rome. Is that right? Yeah, it's not that far from Venice. Okay, well, he becomes a priest and I guess then a bishop and a cardinal and eventually was elected the Pope. When was he elected and how old was he? He was 58 years old and was elected in 1775. And he got, he was the name, his name before was Pius VI, was the Cardinal Giovanni Angelio Brasci. So he had a big name. Pius the sixth was easier. Yeah, much easier. By a quirk of history, actually, he ends up being the Pope when Napoleon was rampaging through Europe, which might have been unfortunate for him, because Napoleon ends up in Rome. Is that correct? That's correct. Just as this guy had been made the Pope a year or two, Napoleon's on his surge right through Europe, and he gets down to Rome in seventeen. 17- uh, 96, beginning of 97. What did Napole- so Napoleon marches his forces into Rome, is that correct? Yeah, well, his forces were north, but he came in and he was in charge and he forced the Pope to uh, give in and sign a treaty with him. What I find amazing about that is Napoleon was probably a nominal Catholic, is that correct? That's correct. So he's not really behaving as a good Catholic would. That would be right too, wouldn't it? You've got to remember the French Revolution sort of knocked the church out just a few years before. Yeah. So his respect toward the church, and I'm talking about Napoleon's, was probably not that good. Yeah. Had the papacy in all of history ever been forced to sign such a treaty to do such a thing? Nothing like this because he said you're going to give up tons of gold and silver and brass. They stripped hundreds of big pictures, works of art, and sent it all back to Paris. Okay, this is not good for the Catholic Church. Um, Who did Napoleon leave in charge in Rome? Because this is where the story takes an interesting turn. Well, Napoleon had to go up. He was going to fight the Austrians next. And so he left uh, a small bevy of soldiers there under a young fellow by the name of Leonard Dufault, left him there as the general in charge of the troops in Rome. Now, Dufault had a relationship with Napoleon, is that correct? And it was more than a friendship. He was, it was tied to him through, well, tell us. Well, okay. Leonard Dufault actually was about to be married to a person whose name was uh, Desiree Clary. And... Uh, 
she had been the flame or the fiancé of Napoleon Bonaparte up to a couple of years before. So he'd picked up when Napoleon left the girl, he picked up and he was going to marry her. And and yet Napoleon and Dufay were still quite good friends. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Now, there's trouble in Rome. Was Pope Pius, uh, was he around that? Was he in it? Was he encouraging it? Yes, well, as the uh, French troops all left and just a few left there, the rumour came through that uh, Napoleon's been defeated up hitting, uh, fighting with the Austrians. Mm. And so I said, if they've been defeated, what do you want the French here for? Let's go and attack them. And he encouraged them to attack the, the French headquarters. And unfortunately for Pope Pius, something happened to Defoe. Yeah, this was the 28th of December, 1797, and actually Leonard was to be married the next day. Yep. But he goes out to control the, the riot and with his soldiers and someone sees him and pops him off and he's dead meat. He's gone. Mm. How did Napoleon react to that? Well, that would have taken a few weeks to get the message up from Rome right over the Alps and up to Austria where he was fighting, and the message, hey, Leonard Dufo's been shot, and uh, Napoleon would have thought of Desiree, mm. and then he said, okay, I'm going to send a general down to serve that guy right. He shouldn't be shooting my generals. He hadn't been defeated either, by the way, for those who are interested in the story on the other That's end. Correct. It was uh, a rumour, a false rumour. So he sends Berthier, and we looked at this guy last week, but just remind us, what what religious, what spiritual background did Berthier have? He was a Huguenot background, and he was a general. He'd, gr- he'd come up through the ranks and... He was the, the general from Napoleon. He said, not any of his previous Catholic generals. I'm going to send this guy because you're going to go and grab the Pope and make him a prisoner. So that's what he did. Berthier, a Huguenot general. And by the way, for those of you who are listening who don't know, the Huguenots are a religious group from out of France who suffered awfully uh, at the hands of the Catholic Church in France. So he had, this Huguenot general had no sympathy toward the Pope, goes and takes him prisoner. Where did he take him? What did he do? Well, he, he left Austria and he came down and he entered Rome on the 15th, oh, sorry, the 10th of February, 1798. This would have been a couple of nearly a month and a half after Defoe was shot. Mm. And so he comes in there and within a week he's taken the Pope prisoner and then he said, I'm going to march him up through Italy and finally he was sent across to a place in France called Valence. And things didn't go well for the Pope there either. No, well, he was an old guy. Remember, he was 58 when he was elected Pope, and he'd been Pope then for something like 24 years. And mm. so now he's an old guy of 82, and he's had to be marched or put, put in a carriage and taken all the way up into France, and he only lasted six weeks there, and he died in Valence in August 1799. Now, it didn't seem to bother Napoleon either that he'd, he'd really killed the Pope. Um, what sort of funeral did Napoleon order him to have? Well, 
he was ordered to have an ordinary citizen's burial. No pomp, no display, just get rid of him. Yeah. But that didn't suit the directorate after a while, and they began to think, hey, when they select a new pope, we want to have time to send our French guys over there mm. so we can sort of control the, the election of the pope. So he said, okay, you can bury him now and you can take his body back to Rome and bury him there. And so, that would have taken weeks. So if you were to go to Rome today, he'd be what? Is he under the St. John's? He'd be in one of the popes there buried in, in St. Peter's probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it might have been. Okay, fair enough. Um, this story, the reason I tell it is it does have biblical significance. Is that right? That's very true. There's a prophecy. Daniel, Daniel gave a very explicit prophecy and said that the Church of the Middle Ages would be in power for 1,260 years, and that was going to finish in 1798. Now, Defoe was shot in 1797, but it took the next six, eight weeks to get Berthier to come down and take the Pope prisoner, and everyone said, the church is finished. It's had it now. The Pope's a prisoner and he's gone. Which is not true. <laughs> we That's know not that. true, but at that time, they waited. Another Pope was elected, but France was in the dominance at that time. What happened really, I guess, would be to say that the Church of Rome, for the first time in almost 2,000 years, did not have overall power throughout Europe. Um, they almost received what you'd call a mortal wound, but they have recovered since. That's another story and one we might look at um, in the not-too-distant future, Harold. Well, it came on time and it showed how the Bible is something to be trusted and you can believe it. I, I, sometimes I wish this wasn't Radio Hunty. <laughs> Because I'd love to show our listeners this prophecy, but it might be hard on radio. I'm going to have to think about that one, Harold, and see whether there's a way we can do it. Okay. Yeah, because it is just an, it's an amazing prophecy, and it's interesting to see the backstory of these great Bible prophecies that sweep through Scripture. Um, and I really appreciate you coming today to share that with us. All the best. We'll see you again. God bless up there. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Gonna have to think, Hunty. Yeah. Going, not gonna. My mum used to say it's not gonna. <laughs> it's not a gun. It's going. Going to have to think of a way that I could share that prophecy on radio. Because see, a lot of these prophecies, if you have the visual, it's easy to see. But if you're listening on radio, it's harder. I'm going to have to think about that. Yes, good point. Mm, work hard. Hey, this song's a nice one. Um, it's called Jesus is the Answer. It's from Bunch Creek Adventist Choir. Do you know where Bunch Creek is? Because I, I do. I don't know where Bunch Creek it's is. It's up in the Solomon Islands. Oh, of course. Yeah, so this is a Solomon Island Adventist Choir, actually. Yep. And they sing. One of the things I've learned, because I've been throughout the islands, um, drifting around over there, um, preaching and visiting. It's, it's, they're amazing people. One of the things I've learned is almost every single one of them sings. And just brilliantly as well. They sing beautifully. They're very musical. And this is a beautiful song um, by the Bunge Creek Adventist Choir, Jesus is the Answer. 
traces of discouragement and peace you cannot find. Reflections of your past, they seem to face you every day. But there's one thing I know for sure, that Jesus is the way. Jesus is oh, the yeah. answer. Yeah, of course. That was a relief. Um, it changed everything in my life. And if you haven't found Jesus to be the answer, I'm encouraging you today to have a look at him. You know how to look at Jesus, Hunty? Yep. Do you know how to do it? Of course. What would you say? Or would you rather me not ask that No, question? happy. I'm happy to always answer that. Practically, how would you look at Jesus? For me, it's, um, it's prayer and reading the Bible, but mainly just reading the Bible. I'd go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
If you want to know the story of who Jesus is, I always tell people, go to the source. Um, I've said this before. People watch um, a whole lot of videos and listen to preachers and pastors. But you know what? The secret to knowing Jesus is to go to the source, to the Bible. Not against the videos. Not, not against listening to pastors or I am one. But in the end, if you really want to know Jesus, read it. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John and you'll read his story and the Holy Spirit will be in it and he'll jump out of you and you will meet Jesus. It's not a dead story, it's a live story and he'll be there. Um, just a little while ago I did pre-recorded an interview with Dr. Eddie Ramirez. He's my, as I was saying at the beginning of this program, this is the guy who's my what would you call it, uh, mentor, your health guru, my guru, your doctor friend, yeah, yep. everything. Yep. He's the one helping me through my weight loss, and I think I'm down four kilos now, Hunty. Nice. Um, four or five kilos. Just well, you've earned it. You've done, what, a couple of hundred laps in the pool every day? No, I do a hundred laps every day. That's about two. And you only got to a hundred. No, I'm not doing any more. That's just over an hour, two and a half k's a day. Uh, that's a lot of hard work, six times a week usually. After this radio program, actually, because I've been working all day, rush into the pool to do that 100 laps. Otherwise, I end up spending too much time there and I haven't. And you've got to balance your time, you know. For sure. And I asked him a whole heap of questions that I had in my head about my experience going, I guess you'd call it from obesity to fitness. And um, I think you might find it interesting. Thanks, Hunty. I want to welcome Dr. Eddie Ramirez from the United States of America to our program today. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm very glad to be back to the beautiful country of Australia. You are here. Are you in Sydney or where are you at the moment? I am in Sydney, Australia, uh, doing a, a series of programs. Okay. Well, welcome back here. And we always like to catch up with you when you're in Australia. We like to catch up with you when you're overseas too. Uh, we like to think of you as our regular, irregular doctor correspondent. Um, but this, <laughs> this, this little interview is actually, um, being recorded. So I'm going to admit that, Hunty. This yep. one's recorded. Yep. And it's going to go to Facebook, YouTube. It's going to go to our radio program, Faith FM. And it's also going to our program, Project 60 Fat to Fit which is a program that I'm doing and uh, as I go from fat to fit, simple as that. And I want to ask you some questions about weight loss, diet, food, exercise, those sorts of things. Would that be okay? Yes, go for it. Okay, because I know that you are into this sort of thing. And, and I think, am I right saying that one of the things that brings you a lot of pleasure in life is watching people get fit? Absolutely. For 28 years, I've been involved in these lifestyle centers. Yes, so, so hopefully we can get you regularly, especially for the Project 60 Fat to Fit program, we can get you regularly back here to give us some advice as we go on this journey. Because I'm going down, what, from Hunty, was it 130? 137? I think it was. 134? 35, somewhere, yeah, okay, around, anyway. somewhere there. Yep. And my doctor said I've got to go down to 80 kilograms. Does that sound right to you? Yep. <laughs> That's about right. But you kind of, and, and it's not just me, we've got a lot of people on our Facebook page who are on, on our Project 60 Fat to Fit Facebook page, mostly Aussie men, fat like me, who are following along. And we're not, there's just so much out there. We get confused, we're not sure. And so I want to just throw these questions at you. And if you can give us some answers, I think it'd be very helpful, not just for me, but for our listeners and viewers. No, that would be great. Go for it. Okay, here we go. Is it possible to do intensive exercise and not lose weight? And you know why I asked that, Dr. Ramirez? Because I started exercising in uh, in December, and it's now March, and I've just started to lose weight. Yeah, it's possible to do that. 
In fact, if you want to lose weight with exercise, you have to do hours and hours of exercise. Exercise is part of the equation, but we need to change what we eat if we really want to get the most benefit of our weight loss effort. So is, is diet like the cake and exercise the icing on the cake? Is that a bad analogy? <laughs> you got it. See, uh, uh, the foods that we eat today, they're too concentrated, too many calories in one small package. So we need to learn to eat more and lose weight. That's the key of the game. So what do you mean eat more and lose weight? I want to follow down that road just for a second. We need to learn that we need to eat real food. Okay. And real food usually has fiber. So I need to eat more of that real food, less of the packaged uh, uh, processed foods. In that way, I feel satisfied. And at the same time, I lose weight. There's some very restrictive programs in which you're just eating tiny little bit yeah. of food. Who can follow that for more than uh, two weeks? You know, it's impossible. And, and they leave you starving hungry too. Yeah, and you're more likely to fall into temptation. Once that hunger is there and you see those cookies and that cake, man, you know, I'm so hungry. I deserve something. Boom, you know, you end up compromising and you end up worse than when you started. So when you say real foods, foods do you mean like fruits, grains, nuts, vegetables, that sort of thing? Is that what you mean? Yeah, nuts, legumes, which are all these beans and chickpeas and so forth. Um, you have the nuts, you have the fruits and your vegetables and your whole grains. That should be the whole food, real food that we need to start eating. Do you agree with carb-free diets? Because they seem to be all the rage here in Australia. In fact, I'm in the pool the other day and I'm swimming next to – not swimming, I'm, I'm, I'm exercising every day in the pool. But because I've got a rotor cuff injury and I've got a, a knee problem, I'm, I'm kind of walking forwards and backwards and sideways in the pool. Is that okay for exercise, by the way? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good exercise. And this, this dude next to me, this guy, he's saying, hey, if you want to lose weight, stop eating carbs. Just stop eating carbs and, you, and do a little bit of exercise and you'll lose weight. What do you think of carb-free diets? Okay, they work short-term, but in the long-term, unfortunately, they have too many uh, negative problems, increasing the risk of heart disease, increasing your risk of cancer, increasing your risk for erectile dysfunction, and all kinds of problems. So not because it works, it may not necessarily be the best approach. So that, that means the keto diet, which is a carb-free diet, it's high in protein. I think people eat a lot of meat and cheese and eggs and that sort of stuff. That's right. That means it's that's... Not the, yeah, it's not the best diet. You know, we have nice, big epidemiological studies that show us that people that follow those diets, they increase their risk for all kinds of diseases. When I take a blood sample, when I see the urine of these people, it's not a good marker that I'm seeing. Wow. So again, you're saying fruits, grains, nuts, vegetables, legumes. That's right. So we want to eat carbs, but... We want to eat good carbs, you know, 
carbohydrates that take time to digest so I can be satisfied for long periods of time. What are good carbs? Can you give us just a, a little bit of a insight there? Is it like is think it about it? Is a potato a good carb? Yeah, th- think about like, like a chain, and the longer the chain, the healthier it is. So, um, potatoes are good when we combine them with other foods. Mm-hmm. So, if you just eat the potato by itself, it probably is going to enter to your system too fast, and uh, yeah, it's not the best thing. But if you eat the beans together with chickpeas, the bean. Um, you, you eat the potatoes together with the beans. You eat the the, the potatoes um, with these other high fiber foods. Then the amount of glucose that goes in your system goes inside little by little, which is exactly what I want. So if I was having a vegetable meal, um, how much potato could I have with with legumes, beans? How much potato could I have in that sort of a meal? The, this is the principle I, I, I tell my patients. I want you to eat one-third of your full plate needs to be raw vegetables. Raw vegetables. Or, did you just right. say did you say raw? Raw vegetables, that's right. Okay. If you cook them, you increase the glycemic index, which means it's gonna enter my system faster. Oh. Or if you wanna lose weight even faster. Half of your plate needs to be uh, raw vegetables. Wow. And I'm telling you, you're going to eat enough, you're going to feel satisfied, and at the end of the day, you will have less calories that came in than the calories that went out, and you will start losing weight naturally without suffering. Okay, half, so half is raw vegetables. What, I'm not sure I'm liking this. Hunting. No, <laughs> it doesn't sound good, does it? No, go on. So what's the other half? Or what's, you know, how would you, what, what else are you recommending here? So then you can have, you know, some potatoes, you can have some beans, you can have uh, some bread, as long as it's real bread. Uh, People think that bread is horrible. Europeans are built on bread. I was literally two days ago, I was in Europe. And if you go to the market there, they have 30, 40 different types of bread. That's what Europeans used to eat. Fantastic. And Australians are exactly the same. We love bread. So, so okay, I'm getting an idea of what I put on the plate, but bread, bread. Let's go there for a minute because I love bread. As long as it's a whole bread. I mean, you guys have the English inheritance here in Australia. So that's why you go to the market here. I see some beautiful rye bread. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the principle is the following. It needs to be a bread that is nice and heavy. It means there's a lot of whole grains there. Yep. It needs to be a, a bread that when I squish it, it doesn't yield very much. That okay. tells me that's a really good bread. Okay. A German well, rye this. sourdough bread loaf. Yeah, that's right. In fact, the sourdough bread, uh, those bacteria that are introduced in the mixture actually make that bread to enter slower into the system. So, you know, sourdough bread is good. How many slices of bread a day of, of the good bread? <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily the amount of slices, but what else are you eating with that bread? Well, say, I, say, I, say get, I, get a, I, get, I do what you're saying. I get a plate of, uh, yeah. of, 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 of veggies. And when I think of these veggies, I'm thinking of cauliflower, broccoli, carrots. Those, carrots, those sorts of... What about tomato? Can I, can I put that in there? 
You can eat tomatoes, yes. That, uh, that will come onion, for that. Onion. Onion, uh, cucumbers, um, salads, peppers. Salads and veggies, yeah. Broccoli. Go to the area there where they have it. You know, you have plenty of choices. It doesn't need to be a boring thing. You can have variety. So, okay, so I've got my, I've got my, I've got my veggies and salad, half a plate. I've yes. got my um, potato, one scoop. I'm saying one small potato. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. And I've got my legumes, say quarter of a can of legumes. Yep. Is that, is that, so that would be, of a 400, that would be maybe 150 grams of legumes. Does that sound about yep. right? That's all, all right. And I can have one slice of sourdough bread with that or two or what? And you can have a, 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 a one and a half slices. That would be totally perfect. Because I, I find, I actually could almost do it if I could do that because the sourdough bread helps me to eat it. See, we naturally are made to crave uh, good carbs. Hmm. It's as if you hold your bread, you want to take a bread. The same way happens, we are craving these carbs because it's our main food. So if we give our body the right carbs, then it functions optimally instead of eating, uh, you know, the refined type of, of carbs. I think what you're saying is carbs are not the enemy necessarily. That's right. Carbs are your friend. You know, I could get up and you can see my body. <laughs> I eat plenty of carbs. I've been doing this yeah. for the past 28 uh, years of my life. Okay. In fact, there was a race last summer. I actually won the race. First place. I mean, come on. You know, somebody my age shouldn't be winning a race. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about protein shakes to replace meals? And I, Okay. There are two types of protein shakes that I know of. This is the whey or the dairy-based protein shake. Yep. And then you can have these, just of late, they're bringing out a lot more of these plant-based protein shakes. So what you do, you get a protein shake, you maybe put two scoops of that protein shake in with a banana and or some blueberries, you mix it up maybe with some ice, about 500 ml, and you drink it, and that replaces your meal. And it does, it fills, I, it fills you up. Yeah. I personally don't like that, <laughs> because again, that's, processed food okay so i'd rather you eat real food okay. real fiber in fact as a homework you need to be eating from 35 to 40 grams of fiber a day do your mathematics sit down next time you're eating go to the internet how much fiber has my potato how much fiber has my my, my slice of bread do your math let's see if you're meeting that 40 to 30 35 grams of fiber a day. Interesting you talk about fiber. This is kind of off track a little bit, but my daughter was working in the oncology ward of a hospital in New South Wales, a country hospital in New South Wales, and the specialist oncologist was telling her that he thinks, well, he thinks he knows that cancer is exploding of the colon is exploding yep. at the moment, and he said he thinks the main reason is people are eating too much meat and not enough fibre foods. He is totally right. There was a, uh, an article on, on Journal Nature. You can go to my Twitter and find it. It was just a few days ago that I put it, Eddie R-D-M-D. And in that article was saying that cancer of the colon is exploding among 
people younger than 50. Yeah. You know, we didn't used to see that. No. And one of the factors, lack of fiber. Yeah, I also notice on YouTube, amongst the young people, there seems to be an explosion in meat eating too. You've got all these how to cook these, uh, what they'd say. I don't because I'm vegetarian, but they say yummy steaks. Or, and you see all these videos on YouTube. I think it's actually increasing people's intake of meat and they're probably drifting. So this, what we're talking about here is more than weight loss. It can be life itself. You know, in the old days, our ancestors, they had a goat there but they needed to eat what the ground yielded. Mm, mm. The goat was eaten when the daughter got married or some sort of yeah. celebration. Yeah. And the rest of the days were the things of the ground. Only the king, he had 500 goats. He could kill a, a goat a day. Yeah. But the average person couldn't. That's the way our ancestors um, lived. Yeah. Okay, we're moving on. Um, should we count calories? I don't like that method. I rather you count fiber. That's what we need to be counting. So you're saying 30, it, 35 to 40 grams of, did I get that right, of fiber a day? Yeah. I, 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 let me give you this quick example. How many apples can you eat? No, one or two. How much um, apple juice can you drink? Uh, I could drink two liters a day easy. <laughs> See, in those two liters, I'm telling you, you just ate like 15 apples or something yeah. like that. Yeah. See, the fiber will stop you from overeating because you will be filled with food. And then it will send the satisfaction uh, signal to your brain. And you say, you know what? I'm done. And that's what I want. Is, is I want it, you to eat enough. Is it true that it can take half an hour for the signal to get to your brain to tell you you're full? Uh you need to chew enough. There's something interesting. When you chew your, your food more, that signal comes sooner. Oh, so wow. try to do that. You know, take a bite and put the fork in the table. Don't have it in your hand because you have temptation to put another bite in your mouth. How about coffee? I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I, I don't drink too much coffee or caffeine drinks. I love decaf coffee in fact if i was a businessman and i'm not i'm not a businessman i'm a pastor but if i was a businessman i would look very and i was younger i would look very seriously at bringing a decaf coffee milk drink onto the market because it's not <laughs> there how do i know because at times i've looked for one it's not there but how about i have a decaf or a coffee let's face it most most aussies are drinking coffee to replace yeah. a meal my daughter did this and lost 15 20 kilo on coffee mm -hmm. Yep, uh, coffee has some appetite-suppressing effect, but at the same time, it's going to irritate your stomach, uh, making you prone to have problems with that. And coffee also removes the breaks of your brain, making you more likely to yield into that cookie or this <laughs> or that. As your ability oh, to self-control okay. decreases. Wow. So uh, there's even a study, interesting study. You're more likely to gossip when coughing uh, is in your system than when it's not. <laughs> Look, it's a drug, and, and if you don't believe me it's a drug, try and give it up if you're drinking it, and you'll work out yep. real quick that it's you a drug. You will see that headache that is going to come. Is, interesting. Is... i never seen somebody addicted to broccoli. 
If you eat broccoli every day and then you stop eating broccoli, you're not going to get a headache. You're not going to get nervous. No. Because broccoli is not addictive. Um, okay. Uh, okay, so coffee's out. Um, I think as I'm listening to you, you're saying natural, 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 natural. That's what I'm hearing you say. Natural um, without suffering. I'm against the suffering part. Yeah. You know, some people ask me, doctor, what about if I fast for 10 days? I tell them, don't do that. Well, <laughs> this is what I'm about. real food. I'm about to ask <laughs> you, uh, one, another one of the fads that's out there, I'm not saying it's wrong or right because I don't know, is intermittent fasting. Yeah. Intermittent fasting is great. i actually been doing this since 1997, and I love it. I basically eat two times a day. That's how much I eat. Does, so that, does, that, does that mess around when you're a fat boy, say, like me? Does that mess around with your metabolism if you only eat twice a day? No, not necessarily. Okay. You actually rest your organs. So when you eat, you actually take advantage of the food much better. You increase your quality of the sleep because your stomach is empty. Okay. And that's the ideal way to have a good night rest. Okay, so if you're eating twice a day, what times would you be eating more or less? Personally, I do like 7.30 in the morning and my second meal around 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. Okay, and you're not hungry? You go all right doing that? I'm not hungry. In fact, this morning, I, I did that yesterday. This morning, I woke up and went for a nice run here in the, in the, in the forest uh, for 30 minutes. I had all the energy and so forth. And then I had a nice breakfast. Okay. So it, when, when, when I talk about intermittent fasting, you're saying you're fasting from 3.30 in the afternoon until 7.30 the next day. Mm-hmm. And also in the, in the day, you know, that's 7 in the morning to 3.30 and then at 3 to 7. So you have those two uh, fasting periods. So you wouldn't agree then necessarily with this idea that you eat 8 or 10 small meals a day to kickstart your metabolism? Science back in the 1970s and 80s was that direction. The new direction science is going is towards intermittent fasting. So somebody that is recommending that is a little bit behind okay. because the new research is showing us that it's the opposite way. Okay. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Um, I'm, I'm throwing some different foods at you. So this, I know this interview is a bit indiscriminate and a bit random. but <laughs> <laughs> um, Bananas. I love bananas. I find bananas give me energy and vitality and help me. I could eat one banana and see myself right through to lunchtime. That's me. That's bananas and me. But I have my wife and others telling me bananas are bad, they're fattening, and if you're going to lose weight, you need to. In fact, I was told by my beautiful wife that I should stay away from bananas and blueberries, and I don't like that advice at all. Help me. Actually, I, will, I would give you that advice. Eat bananas and blueberries. Thank you. Can, can I show that to <laughs> they, Liska? They, <laughs> they do not make you gain weight because they have the fiber that we were talking about. Now, if you get that banana and you put it in the blender, you destroy the fiber. Oh. That's what will get you in trouble. Okay. Pretty much if you put anything in the blender, you're destroying the fiber. You that right? got it. <laughs> you got it. That's why I don't like the juicing and all these things. So if I'm making processed food. So if I'm if I'm if I'm um if I'm using as a carb steel cut oats, which I think is a probably a pretty pretty good carb, if I blend Mm -hmm. that up, I'm just making them oats. That's right. You're destroying some of that fiber. Rather just cook it and eat it like that. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is good advice. I'm learning. Are you learning stuff here, Hunty? Yes, mate. I'm definitely learning heaps. Yeah. Um, changing just tactic uh, direction for a moment. Can as we lose weight, so a guy like me, I'm going from 135 to 80 kilo. I'm not trying to rush this off. Um, I know that I'm going to lose more weight at the start than toward the end because that's just how it works. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to do this in a year. Look, I'm going to turn 60 at the end of the year. I'd like to be well down the road then, but not. I understand it might take longer. Um, can I escape the skinfold dilemma? In other words, when you lose weight, you end up this yeah. this great big, and you've got to go and have an operation. I, I don't like operations. I've got a rotor cuff injury at the moment. I'm not going in because I don't want to get cut up. I don't like them. Is there a way that a guy like me, and there's a lot of Aussie men like me with our beer guts. Now, mine's not caused by beer. Mine's caused by pro- – I've got a processed food gut. <laughs> um, is there a way I can escape that skinfold Dilemma? It depends how much expansion you cause by uh, gaining that weight. Mm. So that's that's what's going to depend on that, you know. So there's really so, no way to escape that. Yeah, it, again, you know, it depends how much in excess. Let me give you a, a, a quick uh, clinical case I published in the scientific literature. This is one of our patients. Yep. Look at him. He was diabetic. He had big problem with his blood pressure. He was weighing 173 kilos. He was taking uh, three meds. In a matter of 18 days, see, it doesn't take that much. He was able to lose seven kilos. Uh, we had to stop his medications because blood pressure came down to normal level. Look at that, 160 over 72. He continued at home with that diet. I am just telling you a minute ago. And you can see here, in a matter of six months, he already has lost 37 kilos. Mm. Still no medication. And then, 11 months later, when we check everything, blood pressure perfect, cholesterol 3.6, perfect, bad cholesterol also perfect, and hemoglobin A1C of 5.5 means he's no longer a diabetic. And look at him after a year and a half, after losing 64 kilos, no longer obese, no longer diabetic, no longer hypertensive. This is exactly what I want the audience to experience at home. So if we go to what you're saying, the, the, I'm just going to go over this. A, a third of a plate of vegetable salad. Yeah. Potato or sweet potato. I use sweet potato because I've got a, a feeling maybe that's a better potato than the real one, the other one. Either one are great. Oh, okay. Okay. And the legumes. And the legumes, and the legumes. We're, talking about legumes. we're talking about chicks, peas, four bean mixes, um, lentils, all sorts, isn't there? Um, if, if, I, if I eat that, then whether or not I have a skin fold problem is something i just got to go down the road and see. And if I do, then basically you do have to have surgery. Is that correct? Yeah, some people it's bothersome and they want it removed. So, yes, you, you will need that, that surgery. Some people are happy with it, you know, and they just deal with it. I've seen both sides of the, that, of, the, that, of the camp. That second one might be me, I think, because I'm getting older and <laughs> let's not get too. But, yeah, um, salt and sugar. I, I went to my doctor, then I went to the heart specialist. They said, you've got to cut this salt down and you've got to really cut your sugar down. Well, I cut my salt. I don't add salt to anything. 
and sugar's the same thing. I, I've just, I've really cut, I've cut the sugar down so much that when I eat something that is sweet, it seems oversweet, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, so th- is that the right the, thing they, to do? Yeah, they, they, uh, I, I would put more weight on the, on the sugar side of things to try to eliminate it as much as possible because it's processed food and it's plenty of calories. While the salt part, we do need to decrease it, but sometimes it's the expiatory goat. We put the blame on the salt. Yeah. But what about it? all these other things we're eating? Uh, uh, excess of animal products, excess of fat. That is really what is triggering that blood pressure. I find that since I've dropped salt out of my diet altogether, I suppose I get a bit of salt in processed foods, but I'm not eating many processed foods. I, I'm, I'm not completely out of processed foods, but after listening to you, I'm going to go out of them, full stop. Um, and, and, and I'm going to give you a hint. Your salt that you need to use to cook yep. needs to be salt that it has iodine. This is very important. Not Himalaya. I, you know, yeah. That Himalaya salt, as I tell people, is just expensive salt. That's basically what it is. <laughs> okay. um, salt that is, has iodine. Iodine is a very problematic nutrient. Very little iodine is around. You need to make sure you eat that iodine uh, with that salt. Because I've found since I've dropped salt that at times I'm getting cramps that I never, ever got before. Watch out. You know, don't go to the other extreme. You still need to have, you know, some salt. You know, I'm, I'm not saying eat the food that doesn't have taste. That would be pathological, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, you know, okay. Food needs to taste good. Well, look, I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. I, I can, now, you're all around the world, but can we get you back in three or four weeks? Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in the middle of a trip. Uh, I still have, like, 14 countries to go. We'll, we'll, <laughs> one trip. Tra- we'll chase you down and yeah. see where you are and see if we can get you back. But thank you, and, and let's see how we go. Um, That's right, yeah. I, 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 I'm looking forward to hearing your progress, which I'm, I can see that you have that motivation to, to go and do it, and your motivation is motivating other people to make those right lifestyle changes. Well, I'm accountable, and this is the reason I did it this way, I'm accountable to hundreds and thousands of people. And I'm glad to tell you that in the last week, um, and it's only in the last week that I've really started to clamp down on my diet. In the last week, I've lost over three kilograms and haven't really tried. I'm doing exercise, but I'm, I'm eating well, and it's just starting to move. So let's see where I go. I'm accountable to you. I'm accountable to our listeners and viewers, and I'm accountable to God. I'm, I'm trying to do this to his glory and his honor. That's right. And for the viewers there that want to... You know, follow some of the things I do. There's my Twitter account, EddieRDMD. There's my YouTube page, DREddieRamirez.com. And if you want to come and travel with me around the world, there's an Instagram page. And my research, there's more than 160 published uh, studies there on that ResearchGate page. So, yeah, anybody has access to this, I do this to motivate people. I'm not selling you absolutely anything. This is just to motivate you to do right lifestyle changes it's a privilege to have you and i really mean that dr eddie ramirez and god bless you here in australia and we are going to talk to you in three or four or pretty shortly weeks time that's right and ask god for help and i know you he will grant you the victory will be another one of your good stories thanks mate
God bless. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. He's a good guy, Hunty, that fella. He is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Amazing. I'm very determined to do this, and I know you are too. Um, I've, I've got myself in a bad place with my health. My blood pressure's been up to 180 or 90, over 90, I think it was, or somewhere terrible like that. But I took it the other night when I went to bed, and it was 116 over 65 or something, mate. Nice. Good so, job. yeah. Yeah, it's the the exercise, the diet, and a little bit of help from my doctor, to tell you the truth, got me at least into a safe place, and I'm going to keep going. Um, this next song is my song. I'm a nobody talking about somebody, and I really like it. chose me has always been a mystery all my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite will all the never get it right but it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time cause I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus When Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight you picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil start talking to me Saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Jesus, I'm just a nobody. 
That's from Casting Crowns Nobody. I think that might be my number one song at the moment, Hunty. What a great song. It speaks to my heart, you know. I'm a nobody speaking to everybody about somebody who saved my soul. That's my story. Uh, I want to share with you now. We've got a few things we're sharing, haven't we, today? We do. Um, This is a little clip from The Chosen. It's about Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman. It moved me immensely when I first saw it. I know it moved you too, Hunty. Yeah, I I actually had tears streaming down my face. Yeah, now I know this is a radio program and you can't, unless unless you're online, um, Facebook with us, you can't really see this, but... The words and the dialogue are yeah, very powerful. dialogue is so powerful. Yeah. I, I like The Chosen. I don't suggest that people watch The Chosen to find out the real story about Jesus. So, I, again, I would encourage you to go to the Bible. But I find it useful, and I do watch The Chosen from time to time just because I enjoy the way they depict Jesus. I think, that, I think the one thing they've got is they've got the loving nature of Jesus really down well. Um, see what you think. Would you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out alone in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. 
get here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank Him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> this is a story of a woman who meets Jesus and she's a Samaritan woman. So she is on the outer. She is rejected. She's despised by the Jews. And she has led a pretty harsh life. And what's happened is she meets Jesus at the well where they draw water in the middle of the day. Now, they either draw, draw water at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, but she meets Jesus at the well in the middle of the day, and the reason she's there in the middle of the day because she's despised, rejected, she's on the outer, nobody wants nothing to do with her. And she's had five husbands. So you kind of get a feel and a, a sense of her life. And here's Jesus. He comes to the well in the middle of the day for her. He actually sends the disciples into town to get some food. Remember, this is God. Jesus is God in human form. He knows what he's doing. He's come there for this woman. And just as he comes there for this woman, he'll come for you. And so he sends his disciples into town to get the food. And here's Jesus with the woman sitting at the well. And he says, give me a drink. And she says, why would you ask me for a drink? He says, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out living here, but I'm thirsty. Well, why would you, a Jewish man, talk to me? And, and the conversation goes back and forth. And then Jesus says to her, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. And she begins to argue with him theologically. It's a great story. Go and read it in John chapter 4. You won't be sorry. Kind of a bit sorry we didn't hear the end of it. But that's all right. Um, in the end, Jesus says, I'll give you living water. She says, what is this living water? He says, if you drink it, you'll never have to drink again. So that'd be good. I didn't have to come to the world. But then who are you? And that's a big question. Who are you? And Jesus, for one of the very first times in his ministry, admits who he is. And he says, I am the Messiah. And she has a conversion experience. And it's the most beautiful thing, Hunty. Indeed. She has a conversion experience to Jesus Christ. And I wanted to just look at this. We've only got a couple of minutes left here, but I wanted to look in the Bible just for a minute about who Jesus is. Because when he came to earth, he wasn't initially too open about that. He came to save people, but he didn't really want people to know that here is God walking in human form. Here is Jesus, the Messiah of the world. He wanted to get his message across, which is a message of salvation. But there were times where Jesus revealed himself. 
And if only that Samaritan woman, I think she picked it up in the end, had known that she was sitting with Jesus, the Messiah, the high God of the universe. And I do think she picked it up because she had a conversion experience. Uh, there's a story uh, in John chapter 8, just a few uh, verses on from this story, actually, Hunty, where we're dealing again with who Jesus is. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees not long after this incident. And they want to know who he is. Pick it up in verse 48. You want to read that, Hunter? I think I have the wrong version. I've got NKJ. What are you, what are you on? NLT. <laughs> it's a bad day. No, I can fix this. <laughs> I can fix this. I'll just read it if you like. No, I fixed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this. okay, I'll read it. Okay, I'll read it. You ready? Just verse 48, <laughs> verse 48. and 49. Okay. Remember, he's talking to the Pharisees. They're saying, who are you? And he says, well, I was here before Abraham. This is what. And, of course, he was because he's God. He was here before Abraham, who lived a thousand, two thousand years before. What happens, Hunty? Okay. The people retorted, You, Samaritan devil. How disrespectful to talk to Jesus like that. Yeah. 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 You, Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said. I have no demon in me, for I honour my father, and you dishonour me. And so they argue back and forth, and this happens, verse 56. You got it there? Or? I do. I do. I have to find a better way of doing this. <laughs> All right, I'll read it. No, I've got it. No. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw and it was gl- and he was glad. Keep going. You, sorry, the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Keep going. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. And, okay, that's crucial, that statement. I am. Before Abraham was even born, I am. Now, remember, he's just talked to the woman at the well. He's told her that he's the Messiah of the world. She's accepted that. The Pharisees are not happy, and these are the religious leaders of Jesus' time, and what Jesus is saying. He says, not only was I here before Abraham, of course he was, he's God. He says, I am. He just claimed God's title. How do I know? Well, if you were to go to Exodus chapter 3, and I, I know I'm putting pressure no, on you. No, I'm going to read from my other notes this time. Verse 13. But Moses 14. protested. Now, this is, this is Moses about to go to Israel. to, And I know we're jumping around here. This is Moses about to go to Israel to save the Hebrews, slaves. They've been slaves for 400 years. God sends him there, and Moses says, Well, God, when I go there, who will I say sent me? Okay, go on. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Ah, did you hear that? I am who I am. There it is, I am. That's God identifying himself by name as I am. And then you've got Jesus doing the same thing in the New Testament with these guys just after the woman at the well. Oh, Jesus said, they said, who are you? Mm. said, I am. I what am. do they do? Go back to John chapter 8 and verse 58. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and left. They went to throw stones at him because Jesus was claiming to be God. And that's my point with this Bible to study today. We'll go back and look at it further next week, especially when we're not having troubles with our <laughs> technology. <laughs> Jesus is God. Yeah, they're right there, Hunter. I am. Am I reading small text? No, no, oh. we're we're having a little. <laughs> that's the end of the Bible study. Oh, right? 
Are we going to have a, 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 what do you call it, a play-out, or will I just go on? No, I do like a play-out. Let me, let me do that. You're listening to the Aussie Pasta, here on Faith FM. This is Liska, my wife, and she's uh, singing a beautiful song, my favourite song that she sings at the moment, Go Light Your Candle. There is a candle in every soul some brightly burning, some dark and cold. There is the spirit who brings fire, ignites a candle and makes his home. Carry your candle, run to the darkness. The hopeless, confused and torn Hold out your candle for all to see Take your candle, go light your world Take your candle, go light your world Frustrated brother, see how he's tried to light his own candle some other way. See now your sister, she's in rotten light too, still holds a candle without a friend. So carry your candle, run to the darkness, seek out the lonely, the tired and warm. Hold out your candle for all to see, yeah. take your candle, go light your world. Take your candle, go light your world. We are a family whose hearts are blazing. So let's raise our candles and light up the sky. Praying to our Father. In the name of Jesus Makes us a beacon In darkest times Let's sing Carry your candle Run to the darkness Seek out the lonely The tired and worn Hold out your candle For all Go light your world Carry your candle 
That's my Lizzie, and I'm thanking her at a live program I ran in Melbourne not so long ago. Um, ask the Aussie pastor, Hunty. Yes, it's time. Are we ready? We are ready. Okay. First question. Yep. Is heaven like earth? That's a good question, isn't it? It's a great question. I think it is. I think it's very similar to earth. Um, I think there are probably rivers and forests and there's definitely animals up there. We know that from what the Bible tells us. Uh, I know there's no sickness and there's no pain and there's no death. I always say to people, if you really want to know what heaven is like, imagine the best you can imagine here on earth and then multiply it by a million and you're still not at how good at heaven is the great thing about heaven of course above everything else is that jesus is there but certainly there are animals and it's it seems the descriptions we get um in the bible heaven does seem like a very earth-like sort of place just a paradise really just beyond i know there's a river up there uh i know there's a city up there and as i say i know there's animals up there can't wait to get there all right well me too All right, next question. If someone commits adultery, ooh, can the partner remarry? Um, the Bible is really clear on this. God hates divorce. There's no doubt about that. And so if you're in a marriage that's fallen apart, maybe you've got a partner who's being unfaithful, I would encourage you not to give up too easily. Um, many marriages have come back from great wounds like that, Hunty, and become strong and powerful and a witness to the power of, of Jesus to heal. Mm. And, and if your mm. marriage is falling apart and you want help, certainly go to Jesus. He, he will help you. He will send the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, and he will get involved in supernatural ways that you won't recognize maybe until... Jesus comes and you sit down to talk to him one day in heaven, where we're just talking about. Um, Biblically, if your partner commits adultery, you can move on. You could divorce her or him and find another partner. But again, the Bible's very clear. God hates divorce. That's what the Bible actually says. God says God hates divorce. Mm -hmm. So if you can save your marriage, do everything you can. I often say to people whose marriages are collapsing, um, wives, you're only going to get another man. And husbands, you just get another woman. And we all come with foibles and weaknesses and we have our strengths too. And if you can save your marriage, save it. So, yeah, the Bible does allow for divorce after marital unfaithfulness. But I reckon if you can save it, go to Jesus, save it. Mm-hmm. And you'll be a great witness to the power of Christ if, if, and his power in your life if you do that. 
Alrighty, let's move on. Question number three. What do you think God looks like? <laughs> In my imagination, God's always been human. Right. Um, well, he does... Doesn't he say he created us in his image? Yeah, you've got to be careful there because when it talks about that, if you go back to the original uh-huh. language, and I'm, I'm opening my Bible here, <laughs> it's it's more or less talking about he gave us the power of choice. Ah, that's you the know? image bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you go to the book of Isaiah, it's amazing. I know we don't have the time today, but you get this description of God and he's sitting in a blue azuli Throne room. Do you know what the colour of blue azuli looks like, Hunty? I think yeah, it's a, I, I, it's googled, a, I googled it a while back. It's a blue. It's a sparkly it's azure a, blue. Is it a deep ocean blue? Uh, I think it's um, a blue like the little woolly wagtail we have here in Australia. The blue. It's a, it's that, that still bright blue. That doesn't help me. Mate. Doesn't help you. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't know what a woolly wagtail looks like. Oh, for those uh, of you who are watching us online, it's actually the colour of the set behind Lloyd. Ah, uh, oh, you reckon that's blue azuli? Possibly close. And on this, in this description, in Isaiah is sitting on this throne and he is given by the prophet Isaiah, who's looking at him, a human-like appearance. But God is not human. No. He is a spirit. So I don't want to confuse you there. Mm-hmm. But he's given a human-like appearance. So it seems that he, he has a face and eyes and nose and mouth and hands. Um, I don't know what God looks like. I know what... Jesus looks like in a sense that Jesus is human. Now, God, Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. There are three in the Godhead, three persons, Father, the Son, and the Holy... The Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They are three distinct persons, not humans, persons, but they make up what we know as the Godhead or God. Um, we know what Jesus looks like because he's human. So he truly is human with human blood in him. But I don't really know what... God looks like mm. other than these scant biblical descriptions you get. And that could be just God portraying himself to Isaiah in a way that Isaiah would understand. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to getting to heaven and looking at God with my eyes. Job says, I will see you face to face. Even if I die, I will see you. And I'm looking forward to that. So the answer is I don't really know what he looks like, no. Right. Uh, That's a good question, that one, mate. Very good yeah, question. I like that. Question four, did you have to change your life before you started following God? Is that what it says? Can you read that again? Did you have to change your life before you started following God? Hmm. Do you have to change I, your life? I get the question. You? Yeah, I get did, it. Um, oh, you get it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, no. Mm, I agree. No. You just come to, well, God will come to you. He'll make the changes after you start following him. And by following, I mean conversion. What that means is saying, Jesus, here I am. I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I think a big a big deal in repenting is acknowledging your sins. Humans don't like doing that, hunty. That's right. To actually stand back and say, here are my sins. These are the things I've done, and I am sorry. And where you can, make restitution for your sins with humans that you've sinned against. Yep. I've tried to do that. Um, that's not easy that's either. Mm. But when you do that, the Holy Spirit, who's the third person of the Godhead, he'll come in and possess you, and he will change you, and you will not be the same person. But 
to make a decision to follow Jesus, just do it now where you are exactly right now. Don't change a thing. Just go to him and say, here I am, I repent, come into my life. Yeah, he'll change you after that, but no. So you don't have to look at Jesus and say, I want to follow him. I'm going to do all these things before I go to him and ask him into my heart. That is a deception. Don't do that. Just ask Jesus straight into your heart now and, and as I say, repent, follow him, and he'll send the Holy Spirit start reading the Bible. You'll be away. Mm. All right. We've got, what, 90 seconds, a minute left. Last question. What is the best thing about being a believer? That's a good question too. These are good questions. Mm. Mm. Someone nods, wants to know what's the best thing about being a believer in Jesus. What, what would you say about that one, Hunty? Um, for me, I, I there's guess, no right or wrong about guess, that one either because it's we just answer how we feel. So what's the best thing for yeah, you? I guess I have a peace that comes from knowing where I'm going in my afterlife and where my future is. And it's also a peace that I know that Jesus has got me covered. He's He's got my back. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I, it's peace. We've got the same answer. And for me, the assurance of knowing that no matter how bad things get in this world, he's going to be with me. He won't forsake me if I fall into sin or or do something really bad. He, he'll stay with me. I like that, hunty. Mm. And then I like the fact that one day when I die, if I lie on my deathbed, if I know anything about it, I'm going to have assurance to know that Jesus is coming back for me and that I'll live for eternity, mm. not because of what I've done down here, but because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus. That gives me a lot of assurance. So that's that's the best thing for me, um, which is this last song, isn't it? It is. Come to Jesus. Come as you are. Come right now. There's no reason there's no reason to delay, just as I am from Travis Cottrell. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was
lovely song that mm, beautiful. And it's true we come to jesus just as we are and he takes us and he just changes us so dramatically after we come to him that you won't recognize yourself and you'll be full of peace and you'll have assurance and to me if you've got that you've got everything you cannot buy that that's how beautiful it is let's close our program it's been a bit of a a struggle today. We have got a new studio. Things don't always work. Sorry about that, but don't worry about Sorry. it. We're gonna, we're gonna get there. Let me pray. I thank you, Lord, uh, for Hunty, who's who um, is so valuable to our ministry for uh, our listeners today. And I just pray, God, that you'll bless them with Jesus, so that they will sense His presence, will experience His healing, and get the peace that can only come from Him. Bless us, Lord Jesus, until we meet again next week. It's my prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Parson. I love you. And my name's Hunty, and I'm uh, the man in black, and I love you too. <laughs> but not as much as Jesus does. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 